So the angel and one of the great messages of this time of the year is uh, good news, great joy, peace on earth. If it was such great news and there was such uh, joy, you kind of go, why aren't all the churches in the world full? Why aren't uh, more people excited? Why isn't this uh, actually received as better news than it seems to be? Because it seems for many people to be a bit of a downer. And as soon as you talk about God, you talk about uh, rules and regulations and I can't do stuff that I like to do. And we've lost so much of what Christmas actually was meant to be, what God actually intended. And that's uh, not to induce guilt because often I want to ask people and say, why do you find it such a downer or why do you have this interpretation of God? And usually there's a story of how disappointing it's been or if God was to really such great news, why didn't he do something in my life? Or why did my child die? Or why did this happen? Or why did that happen? And I sometimes give illustrations like, you know, when somebody dies and, and you take the funeral and you, you ask one of the family relatives to come up and say, why on earth did you love, let this person die if you loved them so much? And of course you don't do that. <coughs> but I could. And the point being made is, no matter how much I loved them, I couldn't stop them dying. And so one of the things that's so important, and, and, and if those around those people, if you're still following me, if those around those people, were, and they were friends of them, they would say, but he or she would never let that happen. That's not who they are. We know who they are, and they wouldn't let that happen. They wouldn't just want somebody to die. So our knowledge of somebody's personality and character causes us to go, they would never do that. So the key to life is to know God in a relational way to the depths where you know he just doesn't say that. He doesn't do that. God doesn't kill people. He doesn't bring sickness. He doesn't punish you. He's not unkind. He's not angry with you. And you go, well, that's just wishful thinking. And I say, no, it's because 2,000 years ago God revealed himself in this person, Jesus, who lived and walked on this earth and it's historically verified. It's not just, I wish there was a God like this. We couldn't have thought of Jesus. It would be too good. The gods that we thought of were illustrated in things like the Greek world, which were just big statues and big stories about people who looked human and were just bigger than our humanity. And they had the personality of humans. They demanded loyalty and they demanded things and they controlled things. And in the world in which we live without God and we create our own gods, what are they? They tend to be power. They tend to be influence. They tend to be rich. They tend to be all the things we like. And they tend to be conditional and accessed by only a few people. And so the God who was revealed in Jesus began to say, rather like uh, we heard about breathing in Jesus, that all the things of God that actually bring life are free. They're accessed to everyone. And I want to talk this morning and think this morning about Mary, who actually was the only person who knew Jesus from the time of his birth to the time of his death. She was present, obviously, when he was born. She was present when the word was given that she would conceive of him. 
and she was present at his cross and his death when Jesus said, John, behold your mother, mother, behold your son. And what we're going to consider just meditatingly almost about who is Mary and what was Mary all about. And I hope it will be encouraging uh, because Mary didn't actually strive to be this virgin mother. And the Bible doesn't talk about her being the mother of God. She says, the mother of my Lord. Mary was probably 11, I mean 12 to 14 years old when she was betrothed to, Je- to Joseph. And when I went to India, to Kodapali down in South India, I mean the girls there were probably beginning to be looked at for, to be married around 16. It's kind of the closest culture to what it felt like a biblical culture. But lots of uh, children died. Lots of mothers died in childbirth. It was, it's a very, very different culture. So children, the Roman uh, girls were married around about 15. And Mary's culture, they would have been married 12 to 14 years old. The, the guys would be maybe 16. So it wouldn't be unusual. Um, that's not old. But it's the culture, so that's what everybody expected. And Mary had witnessed Elizabeth, her cousin, becoming married, at a, at a, becoming pregnant at totally the other end of the spectrum where she was old and she had no expectation of having children and God uh, said to her through an angel, you will be pregnant. And she was six months pregnant when the angel appeared to Mary. In the six months of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee. Didn't know this, but Nazareth was famous apparently for only one thing, and that was its sin. God's blessing, somebody said, came to a backwater village on the fringe of the Roman Empire. It was located just four miles from the Roman garrison at Sepphoris. When the boys in the army got a few days' leave and some bonus pay, they went to Nazareth where they could find cheap wine and cheaper women. Nothing really changes in the world. I was in the army in a small town and on payday, half the camp left for the town, for the women and the wine. And Nazareth was that kind of town. And that's always the most remarkable thing about God is that he does things in ways that we wouldn't do. How could you go into a town like Nazareth? Can anything good come from Nazareth? And then to Bethlehem. But God initiates. And that's one of the first things of the Christmas story to remember. God initiates. So the biggest question I can ask is, what are you saying, Lord? Who are you, Lord? And what are you doing? And how do I fit in? And we won't hear the answers to those cries if we're scared of God or if to hear God means good new, bad news. How many of you are scared to hear God because he might cramp your style? I'm not asking you to put your hand up. How many of you are scared to hear of the voice of God today because he might contradict something that you actually want to do? No matter how committed you might be, always remember Saul, who was Paul, was a very committed religious person who got everything very wrong. So, an angel appears. The angel Gabriel 
trustworthy here. And he was pretty high up in the angelic realm. Appeared to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. A descendant of David. In other words, this young girl who was probably out of her culture. She knew God through her upbringing. And she was really excited because she was going to get married to Joseph who was a carpenter and he, she was going to have a family and she had basically been groomed for this and her parents would be excited and they had approved of Joseph and Mary's parents uh, were excited and were preparing for this wedding and Joseph's parents were excited and prepared for this wedding and you would think God would know better than to mess it up. Some of us think that God is politically correct. And if it can't be God because it's inconveniencing me. God knows who I am. God knows my weaknesses. God knows all about me. So he wouldn't create this stress in my life. I'll say this just very nicely. If you're following Jesus and you never have stress in your life because of him, you're not following Jesus. Sorry, you're just not following Jesus. You're following Jesus made in your image who becomes a little cutout, a religious figure and everything that you actually despise in others. I've got to provoke you. It's Christmas, so you're getting a big gift of (laughs) stir you up. But it's in love. So, Mary has all of the circumstance of her life in the real world in which she lives. And this angel appears and she didn't invite the angel. She didn't know anything about virgins giving birth. No, 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 nobody did. And the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. And Mary jumped up at joy and said, Man, that's cool. She didn't. She totally was deeply troubled. at his words and wondered what kind of greasing this might be. Why would she be troubled? Think about yourself. Tomorrow morning at five o'clock an angel's going to appear in your bedroom and going to talk to you. So what are you going to do between now and then? Oh God, please forgive me for everything I've ever done wrong. Forgive me Lord, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. I don't know what you're going to do. What do you think he's going to say to you? How do you think it's going to feel? Somebody taps you on the shoulder right now and says, come up to the front, God's got a word for you. Oh, shoot. I used to be terrified of that. People giving words and uh, we'll pray over you and maybe we'll have a prophetic word and I always used to think, oh boy, everything I've ever done wrong is going to be exposed, I'm going to be judged. Because I grew up with a father who never spoiled me. I mean, he never came home and said, hey, here's a surprise. It was the good old British tradition of stiff upper lip and you've got to earn it and what was good for me was good for you and all that crap. Don't blame him because it's all he knew. But that's not like God. It took me ages to understand God is not like that. That God likes me. And that God actually has good things for me and I don't deserve anything. Good, bad or ugly actually. You don't deserve the misery you're in and you don't deserve the graceness you're in. It's all grace. It's all life. And God's in the midst of it and says, I'm with you. And so Mary was troubled. 
Behold, you are highly favored. What does it mean? It just means, I really like you, Mary. I love you. I adore you. And all I have is yours. Mary hadn't heard that before. I mean, if I was the angel, I might have said, Mary, you are highly favored. Good news and bad news. Good news, you're highly favored. Bad news, you're going to get pregnant from God. So Mary was troubled, it says, by the by the words that were spoken over her. You were highly favored. What kind of greeting by this might this be? And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. And he says that to all of us. Do not be afraid. You have found favor with God. You know, I remember after going through a very dark time, of, I won't bore you with that, over about eight years, and I was just beginning to come back into ministry, and I went down to a conference, and it was in, in California with Graham Cook at the time, and the guy I was with uh, just before we left, you know, said, we're going to get a prophetic word for you. And um, I wasn't scared of that at that time. And these young kids who were doing a prophetic school, about five of them gathered around me. And uh, it was amazing because they didn't know me. And one said, you know, I see you coming through. You've, you've been through a very uh, burned out patch in a dark cave. And God is actually going to lead you onto some, a path that is familiar but new. And then somebody else said, and it was just very striking to my heart at the time, and he just said, um, God knows you as his friend. And I hadn't felt like being his friend for a long time. And I think for many of us, we need to hear that. You know, that God looks at you this morning and he says, you're my friend, you're my son, you're my daughter, but you're my friend. I like you. And you want to go, but, 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 but. And he goes, I know all of that. I mean, I have children, and it doesn't matter what they do. They're still my children. And you're God's child. I mean, whether you believe it, whether you like it or not, he just says, you can't do anything about it, so suck it up. I love you. And I'm always going to love you. I don't always like what you do, because it makes me sad, because you're screwing up your life. He doesn't speak like that, I don't think. He would use probably nicer words. But the only thing that upsets me is how I see you not believing me or trusting me with your life. And you keep pulling the levers and I keep on having to go, oh, detour, recalibrate. And watching you get so frustrated and so anxious when my gift to you is peace, but you keep on taking control and you keep on doing it your way and then you blame me and we have to wait for times to reconcile and say let's put to death the lies and so Mary's in this place where you are highly favored and God loves you and favors you and she hasn't heard that like that because she's grown up in a religious culture where you go to synagogue and the, the men do get all the glory the women don't ever get spoken to the fact that an angel appears and God speaks to her is totally culturally wrong God speaks to men but God's breaking open that culture, so he's going to use women a lot. And so Mary has this incredible revelation of God and me. And I don't think at 14 years old she got hold of a lot of the theology of it. I don't think she understood very much at all. Because it says here, Do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God you will conceive and give birth to a son and you to call him Jesus. 
And so at that point she's probably saying, oh great, Joseph and I are going to get together and we're going to have a son who's going to be Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And this is getting a bit mind-blowing. Woo. Some of these phrases I remember, but you're saying something bigger than I can comprehend. And then she says, how will this be? How many of you still think that nothing God does in your life will be done unless you understand it? How many of you have restricted your relationship with God to the size of your brain? How's it working for you? Are you amazed by God, as Ken spoke about? Are you amazed by God, or is God actually always disappointing because your God is made in your image, and if you don't understand it, it can't be God, so God is incredibly small. Because you and me are so, so stuck in our learning and our backgrounds and our culture and our past behaviors and our patterns and our addictions. And we're so hungry for love, we keep on trying to weasel our way into God's favor by, I've been good boy today, or I didn't kill anybody, or I was nice, or I gave some money, or whatever it is, or I'm terrible and I don't deserve anything because I screwed up again and I did this and I did that and nobody else knows but I know and God you must be so sick of me. And God says to every single one of us today, he says you are highly favored. You are highly favored. That does not mean I condone everything you do or say or think. But you are highly favored. And I have found favor with you. Because you are my idea and you are my creation and you are my beloved. You see, Mary was confronted with this reality and she goes, how can this be? And God, the angel says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be overpowered and, and you will give birth to the Son without a man being present. And she has no, I want to say she can't conceive of that. One of the things we need to learn, one of the reasons why reading scripture is important, is we need to learn who God is beyond our experience and understanding. We need to let God come to us from his, his realm of heaven in his greatness and change us rather than us trying to get to him through our understanding because we never get very far. Nothing makes sense. Life isn't fair. The dots don't line up. So, Mary, how will this be since I am a virgin? The Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month for no word from God will ever fail. What's Mary's response at the beginning of this? It's, I'm a peasant girl. I'm no one. I can't read. I can't write. 
I can cook a few meals and my greatest ambition in life was to be at least an acceptable wife to Joe and have some kids for him and continue the family line. I had no expectation of anything beyond that. And God through angels says, well Mary, here I am and together we're going to do something that's beyond your imagination. Where we've got stuck and if you've got any Catholic heritage, I'm now going to just kill you, but don't worry. Um, it's alright. I'm not anti-Catholic at all, actually. I'm not anti-Catholic at all. I just think what's been done to Mary has been ridiculous. You see, Mary said, who am I? And if we could interview Mary today, she would say, please stop putting me on a pedestal. Please stop calling me the mother of God. Please. Because I'm just a peasant woman whom God has touched. And if he can touch me, he can touch you. One of the greatest disservices the church has done is to take all the people that Jesus called Mary and the disciples, put them in stained glass, put saints in front of their names and make them untouchable. It actually takes away the whole message of the good news of Christmas. The good news of Christmas is that God comes to people and he transforms their lives. So, what does Mary do? If you actually look at her song, which is the first Christmas carol, the Magnificat, she responds and says, My soul glorifies the Lord. She basically, once she's kind of got this download of news, she runs off to Elizabeth and spends three months there. And God's so kind because Elizabeth is also pregnant miraculously. So Elizabeth, you know, she's going around, you know, she's in retirement. And suddenly she's pregnant. And the neighbors go, Oh, didn't know they still did it. I might as well say what you think, it doesn't matter. And they go, yeah, some of the best sex is over 60 apparently. But they were probably not that old. Oh my word. Now you're, now you're, now you're trying to tempt me into more. But uh, this is the real world in which these people live and we live. And so, and so Elizabeth marvels and says, you know, look what's happened. The cry of our heart over many, many years has been fulfilled. But he, she's also, and you know, in, in, in all of this, it's not just about me. In other words, God is doing something greater beyond Elizabeth and Mary. Do you ever get stuck in your life where it's all about you? Like everything that happens has to make sense to you? Anybody you struggle with that? Anybody you know, stuck in that, that everything's about you? And that it might conceivably be that God actually wants to work in you and through you so that others might get blessed and his timing might be related to that. And it's, it's kind of not all about you. Is that bad news or good news? Depends how narcissistic you are, I suppose. And so Mary has this comfort in a person, Elizabeth, and she can share with her. And when Mary arrives, you know the story, you know, the baby leapt in her room, womb, John. And they were able to delight 
and have prophetic words about it. And so Mary responds with a song which says, My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones and has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things but has sent the rich empty away. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised to our ancestors. And what's full of that carol and that song is in our complete humility and servant and peasant life, God came. All glory to God, not Hail Mary. God's words are powerful. So the words of the angels say, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. When do you think she got pregnant? When do you think she conceived? Was it then? The word was spoken and so it came to be. That's how God operates. That's how he created in Genesis. When he spoke to the woman caught in adultery and he says, who condemns you? Neither do I. And he spoke to Peter who said, wash all of me, I'm a sinful man. He says, Peter, you are already clean. I just need to wash your feet. One of the keys to seeing life happen spiritually in our own lives is to actually take hold of his words. You know, Elizabeth said to... um, I mean, just, you are highly favoured. Do you know what favoured means? Because there's a lot of of talk about God's favour. Somebody said, God's favour is being convinced that God is totally for you. See, one of the ways we can interpret God's favour is you have to deserve it. So some people are more favoured than others and then we hear, no, God doesn't have any favourites, so everyone's favoured. You are highly favoured. Well, it doesn't feel like it. What did you think highly favoured would look like? I'd have money in the bank and every, my relations would be good and, and everything would be happy and the children wouldn't act out and my car would work. And It's got nothing to do with favour. Favour is believing in the midst of life in, at, at any time that God is totally for me. And so at the worst of times, in my worst circumstances, I can walk through those times and say, God is totally for me. I trust him with my life. And so I worship him. I thank you, Lord, that you're good and you favor me. And I'm going to know your peace and your life and your joy no matter what happens around me. Because I have learned that you are faithful and that you are good. Now, what happens around me and and to me is not a reflection of your love for me. You see, the angel doesn't speak a lot to Mary about her circumstances. And Mary has to come to terms with when the angel's gone and she's just heard this and now she's probably actually conceived. 
the penny drops and she goes, what on earth is my father going to say? And what is Joseph going to say? And what is the village going to say? And you know what they're going to say. But if God's favor rests on me and his love is for me, why is the result of what he's going to do in me going to cause all hell to break loose around me? So, what makes more sense and what encourages you? That version? Or the Virgin Mary on a pedestal in, an, in, a, in a stained glass window whom God has favoured? What encourages you more is the idea that God's presence doesn't mean everything is always going to work out seamlessly, but that he's in the midst anyway. And he's asking us to trust him when our circumstances seem to point the other way. Because when Mary was confronted with what the angel said to her eventually, and her mind probably sped along, and all these thoughts about what are people going to think must have run through her head, at least in a small way. That the presence of God in front of her and somehow the Holy Spirit upon her enabled her to say, I can't say no to this. And so her response was, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Just before that, the angel says, no word from God will ever fail. And Mary had to walk with that. And it wasn't very long after Jesus' birth that they had to flee to Egypt because Herod was killing all the newborn babies who were male because he had heard rumors that there was a king born and he didn't want to be threatened. He was threatened by that. But God, why didn't you... And he goes, I sent my son into your world. I sent my son into the world that you wrestled from me at Eden. I sent my son into the world that you have created because you wanted to be gods. You wanted to be kings. You wanted to be rulers of your own destinies. You wanted to do things your way. That's what I sent my son into and that's what we had to contend with. Your ways are not my ways and your ways are killing you. You insist on doing stuff your way. And so the only answers you have to your world are political changes, are power structures, are armies, are wars, are exploitation, are those with money get what they want and the poor don't get anything. That's what your world is. And so my son gave up all his riches and came to be one of the poorest of the poor and to live with a dignity and a power that will confound you because he didn't have stuff, but he had life. And I lived in him and he touched people and sickness was healed and those things that caused you fear like leprosy, he touched and that was thrown away because the light has come into the darkness. And Mary said yes and she had no clue what she was saying yes to, but her yes was unconditional. She didn't say, but what will the neighbors think? But what about my plans? But what about, what about, what about... How is this possible? And he says, with God, nothing is impossible. Trust me. And she didn't spell out 
Elizabeth's son is going to be beheaded. Joseph is probably going to die before Jesus starts his ministry. Let me tell you about the suffering you're going to go through. She just said yes. And ultimately it's about if God can do this, then why can, how can I say no? I mean, that's, that's the gift of Christmas. That despite all we have done, God still comes into this world and says, I love you. My favor is upon you. And I have come to bring about a transformation so that you can have hope again because on your own you've got lost. But I have compassion over you. And Mary would grow up, would, would watch Jesus grow up and she would ponder things in her heart until the first miracle at the wedding of Cana when the servants came. And again, God reveals the first miracle to servants, not to the people in charge. And they come to Mary and say, we've run out of wine and Mary says go to him and do whatever he tells you and Jesus gets a little ticked off and says it's not my time and I think God gave Mary a special blessing then and just said mum tell him to start and that was his first miracle what's the takeaway from this because she then witnessed his crucifixion and then his resurrection I am the Lord's servant. May your word be f- to me be fulfilled. And let me add a twist to this. You know what acquiescence means? It's saying acquiescence or surrender is saying yes to something greater than yourself. So, what if you read this passage a different way? Because we've read it now from the angel appears to Mary and says, Mary, you are highly favored. I'm I'm, I'm totally close to finished. You are highly favored. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. He's going to do something amazing in you. And what if, and I've never seen this before until I sort of reflected on it this week. And what if God were to say to you, what I've shown you in this word is the first Christian the first person who opened their heart to Jesus and said yes to him. And what if you read that passage and understand that God is still, not just through angels but through other human beings, saying to people, calling you by name, you are highly favored. And I want my son to come and live in you. And I want you to be able to steward his presence And with him in you, remarkable things are going to happen. And the light is going to be shared in the world. And you are going to start off by saying, how is this possible? Because this is who I am. And he just says to you again, you are highly favored. I am God and you are not a threat to me and you're not a problem to me. And all I'm asking, is there room in your heart for me? Because I'm already telling you there is room in my heart for you. There always has been room in my heart for you. Do not be afraid. But you cannot be impregnated and filled with the Holy Spirit and the presence of God without surrender. So 
the question today, this Christmas, for all of us. Is there room? Are there things we're afraid of? Are we willing to say, Lord, I surrender? It's really easy to pick things up again. We all do it. So, why don't we stand? And the very thing, the very encounter that God had with Mary is our encounter this morning. I just came here for a Christmas service, not to encounter God. Well, Mary wasn't expecting it either. So God sends an angelic being to you. His name is me, John. And he says, Behold, you are highly favored. As Charlotte taught us, breathe it in. You are highly favored. Irrespective of how you feel, irrespective of your circumstances, irrespective of what you've done, irrespective of if we all knew your secrets, you wouldn't say you were highly favored. You would say you were highly ashamed or highly depressed or highly discouraged. But God sees you and he says, you are highly favored. And if you could see what I want to do in you and through you over these next six months, you would break down in tears because you wouldn't believe it. Because you, by looking at your future, think you have to juggle your circumstances and you have to try and work it all out. And it's getting really depressing because you can't see how it's going to happen. So you're saying all the time, God, how can this be? And there's some things that, because of God's presence on your life, he's going to say, they're going to be inconveniences. And when there are inconveniences and where there are struggles and where there is a bit of strife, I don't want you to conclude, therefore, that you got the message wrong. Just conclude that I am with you always to the end of time. And I am present. And what happens if today is a day of conception for many of us, male and female, pregnant with the next thing God has for you. And the Holy Spirit will come upon you and will conceive in you and do things in you that you cannot imagine or conceive because of his love and delight in you. And Father, I speak conception and the release and the birth of new things over each person standing here. Whoever wants it can have it. The only way you can have it is say, Lord, I surrender to you. I surrender my agendas to you. I surrender my plans to you. I surrender my whole being to you. I surrender even the things I'm afraid of because I'm afraid you might challenge me in these areas. But God, at the end of the day, I want life. And I know that life is only possible when you are Lord. And I'm tired of being lukewarm and I'm tired of being afraid of you and hedging my bets. And I just say, Lord, I give you my fear and I give you my apprehensions and I give you my frustrations with my past that still inform my present and jaundice my future. And I say, Jesus, will you be born in me again? There is room in my heart for you. And I choose life. And I thank you so much that you have chosen me. And Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit now will quicken faith in us to believe for things we don't yet see. And will create in us a humility and a hunger to chase after the things 
that you are doing in us, around us, and through us. And I pray that you give to us friends like Elizabeth, that we can encourage each other and bear witness to what God is doing. So breathe in the presence of God. Breathe in the love of Jesus. Breathe in his favor upon you right now. As he reminds you and encourages you again and says, this is my favor and my gift to you. My presence upon you. Receive, receive, receive. You are highly favored. You are highly favored. You are highly favored. You are highly favored. All I have is yours. All I have is yours. Good news of great joy. Peace on earth. Love abounding is all yours in Jesus this Christmas.